Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Stephen Brayton, author of the Mallory Peterson Mystery Series. The latest book in the series, Gamma, will be published later this year. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your Mallory Peterson Mysteries, how would you describe this series, and can you tell us about your forthcoming novel, Gamma? It is about Mallory Peterson, who is a fourth-degree black belt in Taekwondo and a private investigator, and she solves most of her cases in the Des Moines area. Gamma is the fourth in the series. I have used the Greek letters uh, for the titles of the stories, but I haven't gone in order. Uh, The first one is Alpha, the second is Beta, the third is Delta, and the fourth is Gamma. The fifth is Zeta, which will be published a couple months after Gamma. But Gamma is about a, uh, it's a little bit of a, more of a lighthearted book with her running around Des Moines with a five-year-old who stole a comic book that is technologically enhanced. And she has to figure out what all that is about and uh, keep the keep the child safe. In their journey, in their flight, they run into a trio of grunge punk rockers, two of whom are on a constant marijuana high and one who keeps flirting with her. So there's a lot of comedy and lightheartedness throughout this whole book. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the Mallory Peterson mystery novels? I started uh, my martial arts career back in 1991. And uh, I saw, I was living in uh, another town at the time and I saw it. a sign that said two weeks free classes. So I went there and did my two weeks and never looked back, continued on, earned my black belt and just kept moving up in rank. Uh, Several years later, the writing bug hit me again. And I thought, what a, what a wonderful uh, topic this would be. And what a wonderful character I could make having a martial artist and a private investigator. And I had thought about, taking a character I had created some years before who was a detective in the Quad City area, Quad Cities area. But then I got to go into all these tournaments, business seminars, classes, and I saw all these wonderful, beautiful women who were doing the sport. And I thought, no, my, my main character has to be a woman. So I made her basically me only as a female, a lot better looking, a lot better martial artist, and a lot better instructor, but most of my same dislikes and likes. That's great. Well, after the next two novels in the series are published, as you mentioned earlier, Gamma and Zeta, are you planning to write more novels about Mallory? I have a couple of more uh, outlined and am writing one at the moment. Um, The next one I want to put out is called Omega. Now, normally Omega would be the last uh, letter in the alphabet. But in this case, Omega refers to the end of a a time period or the end of relationships. So that's where that comes in. And uh, 
in, uh, but I, I'm writing, uh, uh, right now I'm writing one tentatively titled Tau, uh, which was, is, I want to reference that in a way that shows a rebirth of life, a, a rebirth of the relationships, things like that. And then, uh, I have also started writing, uh, the following along after that, uh, which is Theta, which is a gang of, uh, assassins are after Mallory. And I have a couple of more stories. Uh, I have one more story outlined and an idea about the, the 10th book. So <laughs> it just continues. Yep. So what was your writing journey that led you to writing and publishing your first novel? Oh, wow. Well, I mentioned the, the fact that I was in uh, martial arts and, and uh, I had written uh, a couple of stories long time ago, I had, uh, right out of college at my first job, I, I was, uh, the writing bug hit me again, hit me. And I thought, well, I can, I want to do some writing. And, and I wrote a fantasy story and it didn't quite go anywhere. And, and I had kind of put it away for a while. And then, like I said, when I was starting martial arts, it hit me again. What really got me involved in learning writing and learning the craft of writing was about Four or five years after I started writing the original Alpha, I joined a critique group in uh, Des Moines. An author had come down to Oskaloosa to promote his book, and I was talking with him, and he said, oh, there's a critique group up at uh, one of the bookstores up in Des Moines. So for years after that, I went. I attended each meeting, driving about an hour and a half each way every week. And I soon learned that my manuscript of 40,000 words was a whole bunch of crap. And, uh, uh, I, because I didn't know the craft of writing. I, I didn't know the, the styles or character development or really voices, uh, dialogue. And, uh, even the, the, the nitpicky stuff of, of, uh, grammar and punctuation. So throughout the years, I learned that. And, uh, I had sort of, when I figured out Alpha wasn't quite up to par, the second story, Beta, the idea had already hit me and I was already working on it. And uh, so I really honed that. Didn't really get to do anything with it until later in about 2009, uh, 2008, 2009, I ran, I was at a, a a writer's conference and I ran into a couple of agents and publishers and, uh, submitted my work and it was originally published in, uh, 2000, the, the, uh, uh, beta was published in 2009. I immediately resurrected alpha, uh, brushed it off, uh, started from page one, kept the basic premise added a couple of subplots, new characters, and it was published in 2011. with another publisher, both of those publishers, unfortunately closed. Um, and I was stuck with my two books again, not, not knowing what to do with them in 2016. I, I find another publisher, a, a, a local couple, and they have published the first three books and, uh, just moved on from that. That's great. Well, what's your writing process when you're working on a novel? Are you someone who 
outlines the novel extensively or you do you just dive into the narrative and kind of see where the story takes you? I get an idea and I think about that idea for a little bit and then I, I set it aside. And if the idea comes back and bugs me, then I will delve into it a little bit more and maybe create some scenes, think of some characters. And then I will write an outline. I do like outlines. Uh, they give me a direction to go. I keep the outlines fluid enough that if changes need to be made, I can do those. And then when I have the outline done, I grab a notebook or a legal pad and I start writing longhand. Uh, people ask me, well, why do you write your stories out instead of just typing them on, on a computer? Well, I say my answer is I can think faster than I can write. So as I'm writing, my brain is thinking about the next sentence, next scene, what I want to put in this. I can type faster than I think. So if I'm sitting here typing on, on word processing, I can type a sentence and then I have to stop and think about what the next sentence is. So by writing it, and then typing it in, that becomes, uh, the, the typing becomes actually my first edit. Gotcha. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels? Don't quit your day jobs. <laughs> uh, I have to be honest. I, I hear so many stories of people who say, I've never written a book before. I sat down and wrote one and I turned it into a publisher and he published it first time and I sold 50,000 copies. Those are the rare and lucky ones. Uh, my advice to somebody who, who really has a desire to write a story, a memoir, whatever they want to, whatever they want to write is to write. There are so many writers in quotes who develop characters and have intricate character profiles and they outline every sentence and every word um, and every scene and every chapter. And they talk about all these cool ideas. I want to put this in the book and I want to put this in the book. Okay. Let me see chapter one. Have you written anything? Have you sat down in front of your computer or taken a notebook and pen and written anything? If you're going to be serious, I don't want to listen to you talk about your ideas. I want to listen to you read what you have written. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's, that's good advice. So what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you could see my bookcase here, I have <laughs> um, six shelves, double-stacked, and then I have another uh, of, of paperbacks. And then I have another a bookshelf about four uh, shelves deep of uh, hardbacks. 
and I don't know how many um, books, EPUBs on the computer, EPUBs and Kindles on the computer, uh, yet to be read. <laughs> right. So, uh, but uh, right now I'm reading uh, the, um, it's called The Masada Scroll by Paul Block and Robert Vaughn. And it's a adventure story kind of uh, uh, along the same lines as The Da Vinci Code uh, and other uh, such type stories. I'm also reading uh, The Tin Collectors by Stephen Cannell. And uh, very enjoying uh, enjoying uh, that uh, immensely. Uh, Cannell knew, knew how to write books. I, I, I've enjoyed every one of his novels. I, I haven't been disappointed by a single one of his stuff. Sure. Where, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Sure. I have uh, a weekly blog that talks about things that I experience and see and observe in my daily life. And I relate that to writing and my books. And the blog is at uh, stephenbrayton.wordpress.com. Uh, I also have a, uh, a weekly book review at braytonsbookbuzz.wordpress.com. And uh, I have a uh, Facebook page where I uh, put up some daily tidbits. And every now and then I'll put up some uh, promotional material about the books it's uh and that's fine you can look me up on uh just look me up on facebook and then i have an author page on there that's great well again we've been speaking with stephen brayton author of the mallory peterson mystery series the latest book in the series gamma will be published later this year you can now go buy the earlier books in the series and stephen thanks for doing this interview thank you great now, stay tuned as Stephen Brayton reads from his novel, Gamma. Chapter 1 I love airports. Similar to Walmart, the terminal and waiting lounges of an airport offer a large variety of people to observe, all sizes, heights, and shapes, from a variety of countries, cultures, and backgrounds. My name is Mallory Peterson, and on that particular April Saturday, I leaned against a support pillar in the waiting area below the escalators, leading to the terminals. From my vantage point, I saw a double row of chairs, backs connected by a bar, the book and gift shop, and the monitors listing flight and departure information. To my left, nearer the entrance doors, I saw the end of the American Airlines ticket counter. Around the corner were the hall to take arriving passengers to baggage claim and the stairs to the skywalk and the parking garage. I went back to people watching. Two men in sport coats looked anxious. Another eyed his watch every five seconds like he was late for an appointment. A woman in her early thirties expressed anxiety through nervous fidgeting. A young boy, around five years old, wearing a lightweight backpack, played with a toy Corvette on the floor in front of the woman, oblivious to her mood. He showed her jeans and his soft, round face. His tousled light brown hair matched her shoulder-length curls. Something about his face struck a familiar note within me, a resemblance to someone I'd met in the recent past. I shook off the thought and wondered if they were waiting for the husband-slash-father. Behind them, a man stood and walked toward the gift shop. He stopped at a rack of novelty baseball caps that featured logos of local sports teams or the skyline of the city of Des Moines, 
After perusing the selection, he chose one of the former and approached the cashier counter. If asked, I wouldn't have been able to pinpoint my interest. Maybe his actions seemed unusual, purposeful, not those of a casual tourist. He didn't look like the guy who would buy a cap and print it with the Des Moines Buccaneers hockey team mascot. I don't know if he indicated an item behind the counter, but upon receiving his change for the cap, he accepted a brown paper sack that looked as if it contained a magazine. He exited the store, donned the cap, and returned to his seat behind the mother and son. The boy looked up at the sound of the paper sack crinkling as the man removed the item. He forgot his toy car and climbed to stand on the chair. He peered over the man's shoulder as the other pulled not a magazine from the sack, but a comic book. It was encased in clear plastic with a white backboard. The cover displayed a larger-than-life green monster, huge fists raised. Its blocky face under messy black hair was pinched in anger. The Incredible Hulk. The boy was so enthralled he almost lost his balance. I was surprised the man's proximity alarm didn't sound with the kid's face not six inches from its head. The man replaced the comic into the sack and held it between his knees. I smiled when the boy turned around, plopped down, and slid to the floor. His mother, still in a state of concern, didn't see her son inch under the seat on his stomach. Somehow he didn't snag the backpack on the bottom of the chair. I wondered if the boy planned on taking the sack out of the guy's hands. He didn't have to. The man was distracted by an attractive redhead in yoga pants who walked by, pulling a duffel-sized piece of luggage by an extended handle. The sack slipped from his grasp. Quick as a cobra, the boy snatched the comic, and like a spelunker emerging from a cave, treasure in hand, squirmed out from under the chair. My peripheral vision caught one of the businessmen lurch forward a half-step before catching himself. I followed the direction of his attention, right to the boy. The man in the ball cap bent over to retrieve his dropped item, but saw nothing. He whirled around to find the boy standing, sack in hand, fingers reaching to examine his prize. Hey, he said when he saw the comic in the boy's hand, give me that. He almost fell over the back of the chair when he grabbed for the comic. The boy, scared and confused at the sudden loud voice of the strangers reaching for him, cried out and ran, away from his mother, toward the hallway leading to baggage claim. His mother bolted upright and yelled after the retreating figure. I started for the boy in the hope of cutting off his panicked flight. When Ball Cap Man put his hand inside his jacket, I diverted my path. I hoped he wasn't reaching for a weapon, but the butt of a gun emerged. My gut hollowed in instant fear. Was he going to shoot a kid? I judged my distance, took four steps, jumped to angle my body over the chairs for a sidekick to his shoulder. He fell to the floor. I landed beyond the chairs, turned and kicked the wrist of his gun hand. He yelped and the weapon skittered away. I raced after the boy, his mother, and three other guys I'd seen standing around the waiting area. They too were after the kid. I passed the mother and caught up with the rearmost man as he slowed to make the turn into the hall. I watched his right foot raise, then with my foot swept it behind his left. He toppled to the floor and I hopped over him, still on the run. The second man heard the commotion behind him, stopped and turned, but I was on him. I drove a knee into his stomach, followed by a downward elbow to the back of his neck. Two down. The boy ran up the stairs to the doors to the skywalk. The fastest pursuer bowed up two steps at a time. The kid couldn't run fast enough. The ache of fear in my stomach moved to my heart when the man grabbed the backpack, but the kid twisted sideways and slipped away. The momentum, however, took the boy to the floor. Hey, I yelled and leapt up three stairs. He tried to draw a gun from his shoulder holster, but I had speed on my side. I dove and wrapped my arms around his legs. We crashed to the tile. I crawled up his body and planted a knee into his groin. On my feet in a second, I was ready for more. But the man clutched between his legs and rolled away from me, weapon forgotten. The boy, comic book, still clutched in his fingers, cowered against the skywalk door. Come on, I said, and offered a hand. Everything is okay. Let's go find your mom. 
I pointed to the bodies, but it's spoken too soon. Ballcap shoved aside the mother, and two more men in dark suits followed close behind him. One aimed his gun and fired off a round. The bullet went high, I didn't wait around for the second. I grabbed the boy's arm and half-dragged him through the skywalk door. He cried out. Another shot of the glass spiderwebbed. I pulled the kid again, and he yelped in pain. I stopped and knelt before him. Listen to me. You have to trust me. We have to get out of here. Mommy! She's okay, I said. I hoped. The boy resisted. I was desperate for an answer, short of hauling him over my shoulder. Did you see how I beat those guns? Kind of like the Hulk. That captured his attention. Would you like to fly like Superman? A half smile was enough for me. I picked him up in a fireman's carry and raced on. Okay, so not quite like Superman, but worked. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.